Hello, Hunter. Why, hello, Cody. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing good, all things considered. The, uh, the pollen has returned from its slumber, and therefore, I'm a little, little sinusy. But other than that, can't complain. Well, it's, uh, it's that time of the year. I, I know one of the guys I work with, he, his was at the start of kind of everything. He's a cedar tree is what gets him. But, man, on the ground at work, I'm just seeing pollen galore it looks like someone just sprayed like powder mustard on the ground yeah we i i I rolled out the front door the other day and to preface we've we've had a little bit of an issue with the neighborhood uh children and parents not being respectful of other people's property uh we can we can get into that at a later date but i i have a giant scratch down the side of my car now because oh no parents don't watch their kids and the kids are too close to my car so uh anyway so we've been having a little bit of an issue and if we if we need to touch on that separately we can but we rolled outside and i'm like who the heck has been out here drawing in yellow chalk right in front of our our unit (laughs) But it was pollen that had just been washed and collected around. And it was, I was like, I, it looked like yellow chalk. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, there was a, we have a pond kind of dividing a couple spots at work. And I looked in it yesterday and I was like, man, those fish are probably sneezing like crazy that are in there. It was all on the water, just completely covered it. I was, it's insane. Literally. Have you ever seen those videos of like when they when trees get hit or a big wind comes and it just shoots the pollen off of it? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's insane. It like, looks like but... something out of. You remember the that really really bad, uh, scary movie, The Happening, where the trees emit this pheromone that makes. Yeah, yeah. It, it whenever I see that, I'm like, well, this is it. We've had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it ends. <laughs> oh yeah, though I'm. I don't want to say I'm used to it, but like it happens every single year. I was fortunate that I I took allergy shots for several years when I was in uh, middle school, and it might have been when I was into high school too. But man, it uh last year was the first year that they really got me in several years, and I was stuffy and hacking and just miserable for probably two or three weeks there. It was it was terrible. Yeah, that's rough. Wouldn't recommend if you can avoid it. But how's the uh, how's the leg coming along, my friend? Oh, are you ready for the weekly legment? This is a good one. Hunter's weekly legment. Dun dun dun. So uh, I went to the doctor, and I did not. S- I-, I was there for less than an hour, which is wow. You, that, that should tell you already what you need to know. I so, don't believe you. Oh, <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> He was very impressed with my progress. Um, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and we have for sure uh, a date. He said in four weeks, he he believes he can release me to put full weight on. In the meantime, he's released me to start physical therapy in the way of getting my muscles awake and getting my motion back to normal just daily life. He's like, I don't want you prepping for the Olympics. He said, I just want you to be able to to move normally and be comfortable normally so that you're ready to put weight on your leg when the time comes. He said, also, over the next four weeks, 
you can slowly and very carefully begin walking with your crutches or with like a cane or with a walker, like short distances with your boot on. Like if you got to get up and go to the bathroom, he said, I'm cool with that. You know, like if you get up, walk to the bathroom and then walk back. He's like, let pain be your guide, obviously. Um, I also asked him if I could do some some work in the pool, like walking around in, in a low-gravity environment. He's on board for that. So, yeah, we're, we're going to start weaning onto – I guess that's not weaning. It's more waxing, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's definitely not weaning. Yeah. I don't know what the correct word is, but <laughs> I know it wasn't what you said. It's the opposite of weaning. We're going we're gonna to start slowly building myself up to, to walking again over the next four weeks. We're going to start with very basic, just the motion with not a lot of weight on it. Then some little, little bits of weight at the, around the three to four week mark. And then at four weeks, he says he thinks he can let me go to, uh, to put weight on it all the way. He says my x-rays look great that he knows that it's not all the way healed yet, but it looks, it looks wonderful and he's impressed. So that's awesome, man. uh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And the funny part is Brie was like, she called exactly what he said. Like, she's like, this is what I think he's going to say. And she like said verbatim what the doctor ended up saying. And I was like, I want to believe you. I really do. But I don't want to get my hopes up because this has been so hard. You know, I just, I just don't want to get my hopes up and him be like, oh, you got, you know, eight more weeks and no weight on it, you know? So, uh. She was like over the moon excited that she, that number one we got good news and number two that she was right and I was like well dang you know <laughs> that's let's be honest that's really what she cared about oh no she was mostly happy for me but I think there was a little bit of victory in there for her too so sure yeah sure for you that's who she was happy for first off can we just talk about how your doctor's a a, a poet with let pain be your god yeah. That's a good line. I'd get that one tattooed if I were you. I'm just going to get it tattooed right in my leg, right on the scar. That'll be great. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> you could really uh you could really show him how much you appreciate what he did by showing him how you uh took an already large scar and uh colored on it. And then I'm going to put his face there too. I mean, he colored on me, so he kind of started this whole thing. He wrote his name all over my leg. I don't know I, I guess I guess so he could remember who he was. I mean, I don't know, but <laughs> someone walks into the wrong room. All right, everybody, let's take out his spleen. <laughs> I guess it happens. I guess it happens more than we let on. But he he wrote his initials on my big toe. He wrote it on my knee. He wrote it on my shin. And I'm just like, dude, it's all attached. Like you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you look at your foot. It says, "Do not remove. <laughs> Rem- remove before flight. <laughs> Do not remove like the other guy. Yeah. We we can't afford another lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to input my opinion that you didn't ask for. I think that you should get a cane that has a sword in it. So I was looking on Etsy because the guys at work were telling me that I needed to get a pimp cane. And yes, I, that would be funny, <laughs> but, but I don't really know if that would be cool long term. The I love the idea. The sword sounds good, 
but I love the idea of a replica cane from uh, Jurassic Park. You know, the one that mm. uh, John Hammond has. It's got the yeah. the mosquito in amber. Mm-hmm. I think that would be pretty cool. But uh, they're like $150. So um, I guess. I'm just picturing you uh, you being like that meme. Call an ambulance. Call an ambulance. But not for me. <laughs> and you're just whipping the sword out of your cane. Schwing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would. uh. I don't, I'm not saying that I want to have to use a cane, but if I did, it would have a sword in it. I've already decided. That's I think that's the. I think that's the coolest way you can have a cane. Someone looking at you funny, you just kind of flick it out like you're a uh, anime samurai or something. That'd be awesome. Hello, everybody. Future Cody here. Hunter's dog decided to be a dog for a minute, so he had to step away. Now back to your regularly scheduled viewing. Sorry, I, oh. can't, I can't remember what we were talking about, but I'm sure you'll remind me. Your sword came, but it's all right. We can move past it there. Okay. So uh, what else we got on the uh, candy front? I understand there's some been, been some developments on that also. There have been. I received a package in the mail, which is <laughs> a way that either a really good or a really bad story starts out. Um, I got a package from my friend, dear friend of the podcast and dear friend of mine uh, who lives in Michigan. She sent me two, count them, two different varieties of strawberry candy. The one that she gets from the Meyer, and then one that probably came from the pits of hell. I'm not really sure where, <laughs> where it came from. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. What a jump that was. <laughs> One's so, delicious and one comes from the underworld. <laughs> really, it's it's funny because like um, it's not that the candy was bad. That's not why I said it came from the pits of the underworld. I said uh, I, it's that because I've never seen anything like it. Like in all my time researching this, like this is just it. it it's like I'm being messed with. I feel like I'm on punked a little bit. Because Ashton Kutcher is going to come out and everybody's going to laugh about the situation. Literally. And so it's like, it's like, uh, it's like the craziest thing ever. So we'll start with the ones that she got from Meyer. They are our core brand and they taste exactly identical to the ones that I ordered from Amazon. However, the packaging is different. They, at first glance, you think that it's the same, but when you are a nut job like me and you have all these wrappers laid out and you're comparing them to each other, the Arcor brand that I bought has a deep metallic red and green and the, the little strawberries are like a metallic gold. The Arcor brand that she provided me, it's just regular red, regular green, regular yellow. It's not a metallic wrapper. Candy is the exact same, exact same size, exact same everything. Both wrappers are labeled R-Core, but the wrappers are different. So I don't know what's going on here, but these minute details are changing within the this, the realm of, of a manufacturer. It's not like this company makes them and they look like this. Like apparently you can get some that look like this or look like this from R-Core, from but they taste the same. So um, I'm not quite sure what's going on. They are labeled R-Core. So I kind of knew, and I I had to double check. Like I used a control. I ate one of mine and I ate one of the ones she sent me. And they are the same. Um, Then the the ones she sent me, um, let me see. I took a picture. The ones that, and when I edit the video, I'll I'll put them all in there. 
uh, I'll kind of I'll kind of put a visual aid in there for the people who watch on YouTube. Um, but she sent. Let's see here. They're called Marco Polo strawberry candy, and they come in just this really generic plastic bag, and they are bigger. Mm. They're a good amount bigger. Huh. They're like sideways in the wrapper rather than up and down, uh, like the longest dimension being vertical up and down. Like the, the Marco Polo ones are the longest dimension is horizontal. So they're kind of like short and fat, but they're Hmm. still like oval shaped. When you open it up, it is like completely textured. Both sides of the candy are bumpy, like a frog's back. And it's, it's weird because they're, they're bigger and they're bumpier. And so you put it in and immediately different taste immediately. Like it tasted like a real strawberry. It had the most authentic sugary strawberry flavor that I've had in a while. Really? But but no filling. So it's just a solid like hard candy. Well, It says it's got filling and there's a hole in the middle, but again, barely anything in it. How many of them uh, did you have? Only one. But you, you might just got a dud. You got to ha- well, you, you need to have at least five more tonight. <laughs> well, maybe, but I'm I'm trying not to get diabetes eating all these, <laughs> eating all these strawberry all, candies. All you've eaten for the past, you know, ten weeks is strawberry candies while you're scootering. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the picture of health these days. <laughs> so, Hunter, your leg is doing phenomenal, but we're gonna have to take it because of all the candy you've been eating. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's, it's weird. It's really, really weird. Um, there, I can't explain how different they look. I'll just have to, I'll just have to pull up the picture. Um, but, uh, but yeah, these are, I don't, I don't really know how they rank because they're just so different. Like it's hard to compare them all because they're, there's such a difference in the taste and the experience. Obviously, my favorites are the ones that are filled because that's the whole point of those bonbons is to have the filling. Sure. But but I just I just don't know. I didn't again. I It's like every time you think you've hit the bottom of this thing, it just keeps going deeper. And so yeah, I, that's uh, that's weird that, you know, one, you found the same brand just rebranded as something else. I'm I'm guessing either those or the their like name brand, the. What'd you call them? They were Archon. Arcor. I just sent Arcor. you a picture, by the way. So if you pull, oh up- yeah, yeah, I'll 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 pull that up here. May, it might be something, some kind of licensing deal where only that brand can be in certain stores. Might be something like that, or you know, they might have like their luxury brand or whatever. And yeah, that that's that part of it. But you think that the, you know, since you said that one has an authentic strawberry taste, you think that the reason that some of these have been tasting so different. Might be the type of sweetener that's being used. Could be. Because, you know, think about like uh, cane sugar Cokes versus what you get out of the normal plastic bottle. Completely different taste. That's true. Not not even close. So maybe something like that uses, you know, some kind of strawberry extract and like real sugar versus the other ones might use like aspartame or something like that to sweeten or some kind of Splenda or sweet and low top thing. So yeah, that knows? might be a, uh, might be something on it. You should, you should dissect the ingredients list <laughs> if you get bored. That's what I ought to do. Yeah. I, I'm going to just start making a spreadsheet. I mean, listen, 
when it comes down to it, that's I feel like that's what we end up doing for every everything in our lives, no matter what it is, no matter what the problem is, how plausible a solution is. We just have to make a spreadsheet about it. Yeah, literally. That's what we do. I, I was talking to um, talking to one of the guys at work today and we were talking about like analytics and, and math classes that we took and uh, I was telling him how I didn't like problem stats when I took that and he said, yeah, I was the same way. I, I didn't like it at all. I said, but you know, it's useful. I use it all the time. I said, every time me and, uh, me and Caroline bicker about something, um, any time that I'm trying to prove a point, I bring up numbers and I've even made a, a spreadsheet before to prove my point. <laughs> I said, she doesn't like that very much. So I don't do that often anymore, but I have done it in the past. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hopefully, uh, Hopefully we can keep going with this candy update, man, because that's that's neat. You found one that tasted like a real strawberry. I mean, yeah, it sounds like they were trying to texture it like a strawberry. Also, for for real, it was it was kind of a trip because I wasn't expecting much, and then when I popped it in, I was like, whoa. So um, I don't I don't know if she wants me dropping her name, so I'll just assume no. But thank you very much. Uh, your your contribution to the Straw Anon uh, Foundation is much appreciated. We will continue on in the name of science and a little bit in the name of cultism. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still not convinced that at some point one of us is going to get a call or an email and they're going to be like, "Listen, drop the strawberry candy stuff." <laughs> I'm we, still not convinced that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. And you know, it's if, if that's how I go, you know, at least I'll have a fun story. Well, um, I'm going to drop it before I go. So you're going to, you're going to be alone on that hill, my friend. Yeah, I'm the one, I'm the one doing all the dangerous work. (laughs) Dangerous work and diabetes. What a combination. (laughs) So I went today during my lunch break at work and I got my second COVID shot. And let me tell you, boys, this arm is getting sore. I just got over. I got my first one on Wednesday, and uh, it was sore. It was pretty pretty bad. I got a little dizzy, like a little little swimmy headed, and I was very tired. Um, yeah, see, my which which one did you get? I got Pfizer. See, that's what I also got. Mine was the uh, the Pfizer shot. The first one I got was at the end of March, and it kind of felt like if you've ever had a steroid shot that was that was kind of my experience with it my arm got a little sore the joint or right right at it hurt a little bit when i'd like lift my arm up or something like that but all in all i was okay i don't i don't even know if i had a headache i get headaches all the time so i'm not sure if it was from that <laughs> or just not drinking enough water but uh, that was all right so i asked her with uh the pharmacist who gave it to me, I asked her if with this one, I should expect anything different, you know, because the first one wasn't too bad for me. She's like, Oh no, no. If you, if you were okay with the first one, you should maybe similar symptoms. uh, But really nobody has anything that, that happens to them. I've had, (laughs) I've had three, I think that have, uh, that have had flu like symptoms, but everybody else has been fine. I told that to Caroline and Caroline called her a liar right there in gondolier. You're fake news. You're fake news. That's okay. <laughs> what you're saying is not true. <laughs> like Caroline was telling me when she had hers, like she was just curled up on the couch, just feeling down and just feeling just 
that bleh feeling when you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> she said, I was watching a, uh, I was watching a comedy movie uh, that night in bed and I cried through the whole thing. <laughs> I was like, Jeez. well, so I have, uh, I've stocked up my refrigerator and my frescas. I, hey, I ran out the other day, but I stocked up on them for the weekend. So I'm, I'm prepared to move a total of 50 steps tomorrow, moving from the bed to the couch, uh, yeah. to the bathroom and back to the couch. <laughs> so. Brie, Brie had it pretty rough with her second one. I, I honestly, in the middle of the night, thought we were going to have to get up and go to the emergency room because oh, wow. she, and it, it, it came on as quickly as it, as it went away. Almost, mm-hmm. al- you could almost have snapped your fingers and marked the change, but uh, she went from feeling a little down, not like, not like down, like sad, but like a little, um, <laughs> she felt very, very hurt. <laughs> yeah. She was real <laughs> insulted. Um, she, uh, she felt like a little bleh. And then it was, she said that it felt like her head was going to explode and she just didn't want to move. And like, it hurt to do everything. And I thought, I thought that it was a, a an extreme side effect. I mean, she's pretty little. She's uh, she's a whole foot shorter than me, and and <laughs> uh, probably half of how much I weigh. I don't I don't know, but um, now you're treading on uh, treading on eggshells here with Pop Brand. So choose <laughs> um, so your next words carefully. The point is, she's little, so she. Uh, I think she had a pretty extreme reaction to the uh, the vaccine there, and once once twenty four hours passed. I mean, like you could, again, snap your fingers. She's just back to normal. Just felt fine. And, you know, that's what I've heard from everybody who's had. And I've heard, talked to people who had the Moderna, who've had the Pfizer and who had the J&J shot. All of them said that um, they had the shot. They felt kind of crummy a few hours that day. The next day they felt absolutely terrible. Yeah. And then it was almost like, you know, like a that 24 hour mark passed and immediately they felt better. It's like, like nothing happened at all. Yeah. I'm going to, ima- I'm hoping that it's kind of like a brain freeze. You know, you feel really terrible and think you're dying and then it's just gone. So, uh, I'm, I'm hoping if I do feel bad, that's what it's like. But yeah, I've got the, uh, the bottle of acetaminophen over here and Zofran's in the, uh, in the drawer. So I'm, I'm doing my best to hold out as long as I can, but, because at this point, I had it at about 1245 today, and it's 950 right now. So I'm holding out as long as I can. Really, my arm's the only thing, and I feel kind of sluggish, but no real pain in my head, or and I don't feel sick or anything. But, Fear not for whom the yeah. bell tolls. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for it, man. You best believe as soon as something happens, if I'm still awake, I am just pop, pop, pop popping every single thing I have over here prepared for, for this. I, and I'm one of those people. And I know from this rugged exterior, if you know me that you wouldn't think it, but I I'm convinced anytime I get sick that I'm on, I'm on heaven's front door, just waiting to go on in. So Elizabeth, call me home. If you know yeah. what I'm talking about there. It's a, I don't, I don't do well when it comes to that stuff. You wouldn't be dramatic, I'm, would you? Um, have you met me, dude? I'm as, <laughs> I'm as uh, keen and able-minded as they come, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm prepared for the weekend to to say the least. I bought some, uh, I bought a bacon eat pizza, bought my frescas, and I uh, got some go. leftovers in the fridge. So I'm I'm planning on playing the switch and sleeping the uh, the Just whole weekend. Down. <clears throat> like a like a like a bear in hibernation. 
Yeah, the, the worst, though, I'm really not looking forward to it, is uh, everybody's told me they get the chills Ooh, from, no their, from their second shot. And me being somebody who absolutely hates the cold, um, it's I'm not looking forward to it. But mm. my dad told me that what you need to do is just run you a hot bath or a hot shower when you get the chills and just kind of let let that heat everything back up. He yeah. said that's what he did, and he didn't he didn't shiver one more time after that. So that's uh that's my plan. If if I start getting that way, I'm gonna I'm gonna just go sit in the sit in the bathroom for a little while. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, that's that's my experience so far. It uh, the shoulders hurting, man. It's it it's getting to the point now. Like I could just it would only hurt when I lifted it above my head. But now it's like even when I just raise my arm on the side, I can really feel like the muscle is just really yeah. really tight right there, and it's almost like it's like it's pinching or something. Mm. So I I imagine that uh that this is just the calm before the storm comes. So yeah. <clears throat> Well, it sounds like you got everything set up, so hopefully yeah, you don't. If uh, I die, if I die, then uh, you're you're in charge, and you have to just find you a new co-host. I can do that. Yeah, so we'll soldier. I'll do my best you. not to die. <laughs> yeah, or you can. Yeah, you can ride it solo, man. You can have. If I die, you can have 100 percent ownership of this thing that we have no real stake in. So, <laughs> who who will I talk to? If I talk to myself, people are going to think I'm crazy. So let's just not go with that plan. <laughs> Hunter, I'm just a figment of your imagination. I knew it. This happens so many times. The last one told me to murder everyone. So, um, you know. Murder everyone. Well, dang. This uh... <laughs> Two of them now. But yeah, so we'll I'll I'll update next week uh with how my how my experience went. We we strategically planned this here sent for me to talk about what it's like, you know, having it for a few hours, but not have to try to record this during the uh during the weekend. So Yeah. So that uh I guess that really that covers me there. I don't I don't have anything else. You have any anything else you want to talk about here? Hmm. Oh, I did a, a fun little win for me. Um, so as we know, I, I collect Transformers. Um, really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so there's there's a difference. And just just not to get into the whole thing, there is official and then there's third party. And official Transformers are made by Hasbro or Takara and they are licensed and they are called like Optimus Prime or Megatron or whatever. Those are the official licensed ones. However, there are a lot of third-party companies that make transforming action figures that look like Optimus Prime, that transform <laughs> like Optimus Prime, but are called like Jeff. <laughs> so <laughs> Semi-truck guy. <laughs> so that's kind of how they get away with it. So they end it's up making... Jeff. <laughs> They end up making, sometimes they make better versions of characters than the official. Sometimes they make versions of, of characters that the official company will not. So they kind of complement each other. So yeah. there's a huge, huge, huge third-party market for Transformers that are not actually Transformers. But you buy them, you put them on your shelf, and you, you don't know the difference. So for example, we all know who Starscream is. Starscream has two buddies, Skywarp and Thundercracker, that look just like him. Skywarp is black and purple, Thundercracker is blue and red, but they all are identical looking. 
So I had third party versions of these figures and they were regarded as the best of this size and, and they're made out of metal and like they're, they're, they're awesome. Like they're the collector grade. So they were regarded as the best, but they were not official. The official version of Starscream, Skywarp and Thundercracker were God awful and ugly. <laughs> so, so, um, why don't you tell us how you really feel? Yeah, they, they were bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I have these unofficial versions and for a while there, it, it was like a perfect storm. They came out, they were 120 a piece for the, for each of them cost 120. So three of them. Um, and for a while there, they were regarded as the best. The supply was insanely limited because it was not an official release. And then the company went bankrupt. And so the chances of getting these re-released like dropped to zero. And so these $120 figures were regularly going for 300 bucks a piece for a while. Wow. But I wasn't interested in getting rid of them at that time because I'm like, why would I do that? They're the best. Sure. I've got them. They're hard to get a hold of. Why would I do They'll that? They'll only increase in value. Literally. So the official company, Hasbro and Takara, they release that they're doing a new version of Starscream, Skywarp, and Thundercracker. And they look flawless. So I'm like, all right, somehow I'm going to have to offload these ones that I've got. And I'm going to have to get on board with these new ones, these official ones. So naturally, when the promise of something new comes out, any competition, the price drops a little bit. But long story short, I was able to sell all three and they went within like a day. I was able to sell all three of them for $200 a piece. So I made a $75 profit on each individual figure. Wow. And now I've got enough to just get the new ones. <laughs> so, uh, it doesn't happen very often, but, uh, but I, I don't have to spend any extra money on the new ones and I'm really excited about it. And, uh, I end up getting the ones I want. So sometimes, sometimes you have to take a loss, but I was really happy with that win that, uh, and everybody told me that it was priced fairly, by the way, people were commenting on the Facebook post. They're like, this is a great price. This is a fair price. Uh, good luck. So, um, it just worked out. It was good. So I, I managed to play the stock market of Transformers, if you will. And I, I bought and then sold high. So um, that's cool, man. That was a fun are time. The, are these new ones? Are they like the same type of quality? They made out of going to be made out of metal yes. and stuff like that. Yes. This 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 genre of these toys that are high quality and metal, they're called masterpiece. So oh. they're they are supposed to look like the designs from the original cartoon. So 1984. And the kicker is they're extremely complex. They're really, really hard to transform, but they look perfect in robot mode, perfect in vehicle mode, and then they've got a ton of features. So when you hear somebody who <laughs> is a nerd like me and they're like, I collect Masterpiece, that is the top echelon, like the the collector grade. So that's that's kind of like what I'm doing. So I think there's something similar in Gundam. But they have a bunch of different – somebody tried to explain it to me. They've got a bunch of different levels of like from beginner to collector. But the Masterpiece is, is pretty much the tip of the iceberg. So that's that's what I'm into. Well, that's cool, man. It's always good whenever you can see like the main companies when 
even if it takes a while when they realize that they have honest, I mean, they just made an inferior product and, you know, obviously they're jumping at the situation now that another company went bankrupt and whatnot, but it's always good whenever you can get like the official of that, that really good quality after it's not been available before. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. That's cool. They say when they're, uh, when they're coming out, they come out in steps. So like you get, you get a pre-order bonus Starscream, I believe he Starscream comes out first and it's in a couple months and then it goes like, I think there's one in October and then one in December. I can't quite remember. You're going to sit there refreshing your computer. Yeah. But they, uh, they come, they come in waves. They don't all get delivered at once. So I've kind of staggered it out based on just how they get released. (laughs) What what are you going to do if, uh, if the release is on like the day of your wedding? Well, we'll just uh, push it a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hey guys, can you uh, can you come back Sunday? <laughs> well, I'll be right back. I got to run to the house. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll edit that out so Bree doesn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that's cool. I'm glad you're uh, glad you're getting stuff into your collection there. Yeah. I don't collect anything nearly as cool. My my thing that I I'm a fan of is I like. I know it's kind of the the going term now, but like EDC stuff, the everyday carry. I I've, I've started collecting. I've got several pins that that I carry a lot. I've got uh, several knobs that I cycle through. I really like watches, that sort of stuff. So oh, nice. I've uh, I've got I've got a, just bought my first bolt action pin. And anybody who I talk to one on one, I'm trying to segue into showing them my awesome new pin so they can admire <laughs> it with me. So that's that's my my goal every day at work is to show it to somebody new to brag about it a little bit. But <laughs> well, uh, I think that's a that's a cool thing, man. I'm I'm glad you're glad you're getting to keep it going. But I think it's about time we roll into the the meat of this episode. What say ye? Oh boy, I am excited. Well, as we promised, uh, what's it been now? Two two weeks ago? I think, yeah, two weeks. Two weeks, three, three, three weeks, something like that. But coming up now is going to be the part two of Hunter's school horror stories or whatever Heck whatever yeah. we decided to call it there. So I'll uh, I'll mute myself over here, friend, <laughs> and I'll let you uh, I'll let you take it away. You're the you're you're the conductor of this train, if you will. Alrighty. So last time we kind of gave a, a character overview of this guy, and at first glance you think he's he's pretty funny, but he's pretty quirky. Uh, really, nothing harmful going on there. Um, I've listened back to that episode, and it's it's funny just looking at that snapshot of his personality uh, because hearing just those those stories that I told in part one, you would be like, yeah, he sounds like a weird dude. But what's the deal? But this we're going to get into the meat here this time. And uh, the funny part is between that last episode and and today, I was actually uh, contacted by a student who's working underneath him right now. And he contacted me asking for advice because the cycle has continued and he has basically pulled the same stunts he did with me on this guy. Oh no. And it's a little worse actually, to be honest, like, um, instead of just being difficult, he's, he's really screwed up his grad school and pretty much, he pretty much botched his whole thesis. So, Oh um, no, I don't want to tell that guy's story because that's his, that's his deal. 
But this student contacted me and he's like, I know you've got experience with him. Let me tell you what's going on. And you, will you advise me? And so I ended up talking with him for a long time and, uh, he's fed up. He's very frustrated. Um, and so it's for people who were like, Oh, why are we ragging on this guy? He's still up to it. You know, he's still up to just laissez faire throwing monkey wrenches in everybody's life and, and causing some, some damage to people's success. And I just, I just think that he should not do that. So this is, I mean, that's one of those things that it's like, that's his future. Yeah. I mean, you know, grad school. And, and as you know, messing up a thesis. He, he tried to mess with my future. The The culmination of, of this story, uh, the, the basically the straw that broke the camel's back for me, I had to make a decision if I, if I was going to let him affect my future or not. So um, anyway, the point is he's still up to his dirty old tricks. He's not changed. And I feel really bad. But I'm I'm thankful that I've had these experiences because I can now help people who don't know any better, you know. And these are people who will reach out to me and say, "Listen, I need your help." So, if there's any bit of silver lining that can come from all this, there's that. But I did want to preface before we get into ragging on this guy that that he's still up to it and he's still making people's lives difficult and he should not receive sympathy. So, um. We talked about his antics in the classroom, him hiking his leg on the desk, yelling at students who weren't there, uh, keeping us in our seats for no reason, how he liked to be the most important person in the room, how he wants to be in charge of a bunch of different stuff, um, and, and all that, and how I can impersonate him. So now we're going to get into, into the nitty gritty. So once you get to a point, there's, there's, a, there's a point with him where he quits being nice to you. And it's when he realizes that he can't push you around. If you stand up for yourself and you're like, no, what you've asked me to do is either not right. Or I don't simply, I don't want to do it or I can't do it. If he realizes that you won't say how high, when he says jump, you're on the bad list. And so I crossed over onto the bad list. It happened almost instantaneously. But, um, but here's some examples of, of his ridiculous behavior. Um, actually I'm going to, I'm going to go out of order a little bit. I want to explain why I got on the bad list first. So as we know, he was my supervisor in the, uh, in the lab where we did all the, all the creative stuff. So that was, that was my, um, my grad school job. So he was, and when I say boss, he was the director and I was the manager. We were supposed to be equal rank, but it didn't ever really shake out that way. Um, But he first tried to organize an event for, for students to come and they would pay to participate. And if any of you work at a university you, especially a public one, you have to be exceptionally careful about how you handle transferring student money to the university. There's all kinds of rules. There's all kinds of regulations. There's all kinds of restrictions on how you can take money, where you can take money, when you can take money, and how that has to be allocated into your budget. It is incredibly complex. So he's trying to organize this, this event where we will be taking money from students. They will be paying us voluntarily to participate in this thing. Uh, 
And as he begins to explain to me how we're going to take the money, number one, it's, it's backwards. And it's, it's, I can tell he's up to something from the moment he begins. And he, um, he's like, I'm going to take the money. And then me and some of my students are going to count it and we're going to organize it. And then I'm going to give it to you and then you're going to take it and you're going to put it in the official budget doing this and this and this, but we're, we're going to scrape some off the top. So what, what you get, is not going to be what we actually get. And it just all sounded really, really fishy and really, really weird. So basically what he was trying to do was he was saying, I'm going to take the money and then I'm going to do whatever I want with it. I'm going to take some for myself and then I'm going to give you whatever's left. And then it's going to be your name on that deposit. So really what it's going to look like is uh, Hunter took some money is really what it's going to look like. So I called him out immediately. I was like, we're not doing that. I said, you are not going to, you're not going to put money. Number one, this is against the university rules. So we just, we don't even really need to go any further, but on a principality level, you're not going to make me take money that, that you have handled separately like this this is this this totally reeks this totally reeks of of being fishy and i was just up front with him i was like we're not doing this this is this isn't right and i actually took it so far as to go sit with the uh, lady in charge of budgeting for the entire college of engineering and i laid it out to her and i explained it to her and she says two things one this is absolutely against policy this is absolutely against policy it's not what we do two He's obviously up to something. And I'm like, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, how can you not listen to this and know that he he's up to something? And this guy has a history of allocating university funds for, for personal gain. He's done it on more than one occasion. And so like knowing that and just hearing how he explained it to me, I'm like, this guy's up to no good. And he's he's trying to play fast and loose with this money. So I stood my ground with him on that, and that really was the kicker of, okay, you're not going to play ball with me. You're not going to let me do what I want to do. Uh, then you and I are on bad terms now. So that was that was what really started it. Then the second one that really sealed the deal was we were in negotiations with a 3D printer manufacturer to get some, some machines for our, our laboratory. And we were trying to get discounts on buying machines in bulk. And I spent a ton of time developing a relationship with this supplier, being honest with them, asking them for what we needed, explaining to them what our situation was. And we ended up getting some pretty good discounts, but it wasn't enough for him. He wasn't happy with the amount of of discounts that we were getting. And he kept saying that, uh, he knows these other companies give him, I can't remember if it was like 50% off a machine or, or something. It was, it was like a, yeah, it was like a ridiculous amount of money off. And I'm thinking that's, there's no way, there's no way that you're getting that much off. No. And so he like, and again, my job was, was the supplier relations. That's what I was doing. He jumps in. And sends an email to this to this manufacturer that I've been talking to for months. 
and he completely misrepresents the university's buying policy and our budget and <laughs> our ability to purchase just absolutely lies to these people to make it look like they have to give us this massive discount or we will not be able to purchase it or purchase the equipment. And the kicker is he signs my name on this email. Mm. And so I ripped into him. I said, number one, don't you ever sign my name on an email without my permission. Second, let's just scratch that. Don't ever sign my name on an email. If I agree with something, I can concur with you and I you can CC me on it and that can be my signature. But don't you dare ever again type my name as a signature on an email. You're not me. You don't get to make that call. Secondly, what you told these people is a blatant lie and you did it on purpose because you want to strong arm them into giving you a, a greater discount. And the company, of course, wasn't playing ball because you'd have to be stupid to do that. And so I'm like, you have single-handedly undermined all the trust, all the honesty, all the relationship that I have with this supplier because I've spent months developing this, this relationship and this connection. And now you've made us all look like fools. And that made him so mad. But it's what happened. Like, that's what he did. And I had done all this work and I had gotten this, this company, they had donated like bags with their logos on it and filament. They had donated all sorts of stuff to us just because I had had a good enough relationship with them. And I had put in so much work and because he wanted an extra few percent off of a printer, he, he decided to lie and, and make it look like something it's not. And of course those guys could smell the BS from a mile away and, you know, it, it just, it, I'm like, you have made, you have made this all very difficult now because we were in a good position and now we're not because you wanted to lie. And he didn't like that. He, of course, his voice got real high pitch, which is what happens when he gets upset as we'll learn. He's like, I didn't lie. Do not say that I lied. I'm like, you did, you lied. And how far into, uh, into your schooling, did these events occur? Just to oh, kind of give a kind of give a reference, you know, it all piles like together. But it's it's got to be about the halfway point, so probably the okay. end of the first year, beginning of the second. So a lot of time still left. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of time be, still be left in association. So, uh, but the kicker for me is uh, just don't make my job difficult. You know, if you're going to leave me to my devices, don't jump in and grab the reins and ruin everything. So at that point, I was on his no-no list. So, you know, and here's an example of how he acts when you're when you're on his no-no list. So, for example, when Gray was a puppy, I was taking him into the building and, so everyone could see him. The secretary loved him. All the professors loved him. The students liked to see him. He was little. He was cute. So he picks him up when he's little and holds him. And Gray is like licking his cheek and he's like, oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. Uh, about two weeks later, I bring Gray back and this is at the point where he's decided that he doesn't like me anymore. And I've got Gray and he sees him in the hallway and he says to me, and I'm not exaggerating. He says to me, he says, keep him away from me. Last time he bit me. And I looked at him and I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, he didn't. I was like, you picked him up and he licked you. 
I said, he did not bite you. I said, you're confused. <laughs> I am confusion. Yeah. Like, you, you're thinking of another dog because Gray did not bite you because Gray doesn't bite anybody. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't bite people out of anger. Like he'll, he'll chew on you because he's a puppy, but he didn't even do that. Like, I was like, so you're wrong. Like you're confused. And of course he's like, no, no, he did. He bit me. He bit me. I'm like, oh gosh. So public enemy number one over here. Um, he, uh, just, I can just imagine. Keep away. He bit me. No, no, no. All he does is lick and talk. <laughs> Literally. That's it. That's it. So we also, for some reason, got a wild hair up uh, in the ordering department. And somebody thought it would be cool to order these things called pancake bots for, for, the, for the lab. And they are, <laughs> gosh, they're the worst thing ever. Um, not if only management, the worst thing ever. Not only was it stupid, it was a stupid concept, but they blew our entire summer budget on these stupid things. And we couldn't buy filament to print stuff for students that had summer classes. And I had to explain to every student, I'm sorry, we're out of filament. Somebody in the higher ups thought it was a good idea to buy a thing that makes pancakes versus our printer. Uh, and buying filament. You can have for, a pancake, but you can't have anything real. It was the most frustrating thing ever. Just absolutely zero foresight to think, hey, are we going to have enough money to get through the summer? They just were like, knee jerk, let's buy a thing that makes pancakes. So this thing is a very crappy two axis system that you can program in and it, it makes pancakes in, in shapes and whatever. Like you've seen the videos on Facebook where people have a little squirt bottles and they make like Mickey mouse or Pikachu or whatever. This automates it. And it did not work. It was, it was <laughs> very, very hard to get a good pancake out of it. Most of the time they were hash browns because it just, it they just, were hash browns. <laughs> it just didn't do, it just didn't do anything. But, oh. but this guy, this professor, I keep wanting to say his name, but I'm not going to do it. Um, this professor absolutely fell in love with the idea of us serving pancakes and doing these events where people would come up to the lab and do a pancake breakfast. And so number one, that's not my job. My job is not to make and serve food to people, but according to him, it was because it happened all the time. And if anybody who worked for me during that period is listening to this, you're going to, you're going to be rolling your eyes and have been because everyone hated. And I made it no secret that I hated the pancake days too. It was awful. And secondly, they're saying, Hey, let's do this event again with a university, a public university. There are rules for how you serve food to people. You can't just up and, and sell pancakes to people out of a, a workshop without following some rules. The legal team, I, I was like, what happens if somebody comes up here with a food allergy that we don't know about? And what, like, who's going to get in trouble for that? You know, so I ended up having to sit down or no, I didn't sit down with them. I sent emails. I had an email exchange with the university's lawyer to make sure that we were within legal standing to serve food to people and how we could legally do that. No other PhD thought to, to put any, any effort into that. They're like, yeah, let's, let's sell and serve pancakes. Nobody thought about the safety. Nobody thought about the prep. Nobody thought about how we should, should clean everything. Nobody. That was all me. <laughs> so, And um, also I, I love the idea of, 
hey, let's have a pancake breakfast for everybody. You know, when I make pancakes here at home, I try to use the griddle top and I'm making like eight pancakes at a time and I'm pouring it out, flipping them after a couple minutes and then they're done. So this thing makes one pancake at a time and it probably takes what? four to five minutes per pancake. Oh, it is absurdly long. And yes, it only makes one at a time. So the most ridiculous thing, this would never, this is something that you would use if you were like hosting like a, a sponsor or something just to show them something cool and give them a pancake so they could say they had one. This is not for like large scale use at all. And I kept saying that I'm like, why are we doing this? These are not designed for quantity. They're a one-off little thing. And so what I ended up having to do was I had to make a bunch of normal pancakes in advance and then I just put them on warm hold in the microwave so that when the students came up to participate in this thing, they didn't have to sit around for 20 minutes to wait on one pancake. So it, it was just the most ridiculous thing ever. There was It was completely tone deaf. There was no thought into it. I literally had to do everything from making sure that we were cleaning everything appropriately, that we were within our legal standing to sell and serve food, that we were able to do it from mixing the batter myself to making the pancakes myself. It just was a complete departure from from what we did normally in that laboratory. And it was absolutely ridiculous. But he kept making us do it because for some reason he loved it so, so much. And I think a little bit of him really liked watching us scramble around to make food. You basically ran a restaurant. (laughs) At the end of it there, it, it, it ended up being not very popular, duh. But it ended up being not very popular. And at the end of it there, most of the students who were coming to this thing were his students. And he was saying, you have to go to this for credit in my other classes. So see. It, it just ended up, it ended up belly flopping. It was the most ridiculous thing ever. If I could, I would have thrown those things in the dumpster, but I, I don't think I could have gotten away with it. Um, and wasn't one of the other professors that uh, that's there at school in the chemistry area. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't she uh, also kind of love this thing? Yes. She, amongst other crimes against humanity, she decided <laughs> she taking did- down Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> you can explain the reference if you'd like. Okay. Lot. So this professor looks a whole, whole lot like Willem Dafoe who played by a whole, whole lot. Exactly. It's scary. So she looks like Willem Dafoe from (laughs) Spider-Man. And so we, we often joke about her being green goblin. Uh, Um, Still to this day. Yeah. It's, it's pretty scary how, how accurate uh, she, it is that she looks like him. I actually did one of those side by side photos and it's, it's very hard to tell the difference. Yeah. I made one of those mirror images where like (laughs) one fades from one to the other. So (laughs) big hit. She come, sorry, back on track. Oh, you're good. She comes up and she wants access to these pancake things whenever she wants and where like wherever she wants. So she just wants to be able to come up and grab them at any point. And I'm like, no, you email me. And nine times out of 10, unless it's at three in the morning, but why are you making pancakes at three in the morning? Nine times out of 10, I can facilitate for them to be available for you. Like you don't get to just say, I want a key to unlock this, this cabinet so I can get this stuff. Like you don't even, you don't even go here. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, yeah, you work for the university, but you're not, you're not associated. This is not your home. You're not associated with, with the laboratory in any official capacity. She was on an advisory board, but that's it. Like she wasn't associated in any official capacity. And so she <laughs> don't even go here. She had a literal five-year-old meltdown in front of me and like stomped her foot and said, basically that it wasn't fair. And she like threw her hands up in the air. She's like, well, then I'll never have access. And I'm like, yes, you will. Like how many, you email me that it's here's, here's how we do it. You, you send me an email. You say, Hey Hunter, I want to work with the pancake thingies on Wednesday at two. And I'll say, all right, they'll be ready for you. That's how this works. (laughs) Not, I want keys so I can access it whenever I want to access it. It was just absolutely ridiculous how much controversy and stupidity surrounded these dumb little plastic pancake machines. Again, if I could, I would throw them in a dumpster. You probably could have launched them from the window from where your office was and hit the dumpster. But yeah. Eh. Hot they, sides 2020, you know. They need they need to go. So um, so back on track with, with the gentleman. Um, here's a quick example. So now we know why I was on the, the poo-poo list. So here's another thing that he did that just shows how, how petty he can be. So uh, I was working in collaboration. So my laboratory was separate from any department, but I was working in collaboration with the um, manufacturing engineering department, which just so happens to be where this guy works. But the, the guy in charge of the machine shop is a good friend of mine. And he said, hey, Hunter. I've got money in the budget to buy some 3D printers. Will you help me pick them out? Will you help me set them up? Because at the time, I was probably the most knowledgeable student on that campus in terms of 3D printers. It's probably changed now. But at the time, I, I was I – was, if you had a question about 3D printing and you knew me, you would ask me. He's the guy. And so he was like, hey, will you help me pick them out? Will you help me set them up? Of course. So we go through the entire thing. We get him his printers. This professor, the guy that we're talking about, the the bad guy, (laughs) he finds out that the machine shop staff member has purchased 3D printers. And he goes to him and he demands to know why that guy did not involve him in his decision-making. Well, the truth of the matter is, as we know, he can't even operate his own CNC machine. He He's gloriously incompetent, is known to break the rules. So, of course, you're not going to consult him. You're going to consult me. And so that's ultimately what machine shop guy says. He's like, this, this these are my machines. They've got nothing to do with you. I'm going to... I'm going to pick out machines for me. That's they're not yours. They're not, it's not your money. You don't get to be involved in the process. And that makes him angry. So this professor goes to the department chair and says, machine shop guy is disrespecting me and mistreating me because he's not listening to my opinions on what 3d printer we should buy. Reminder, the printers have been picked out, set up and installed. They're there. It's done. At this point, he's putting he's putting the 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 wagon way behind the horse. Like he is way the late. Wagon's to the party. still at the barn right now. <laughs> yeah, he's way late to the party. 
And so the 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 department chair calls machine shop guy, bad professor in, and machine shop guy and bad professor. They're not the same person. So he calls both of them in and he says, how can we get this alleviated? How can we reach a, a consensus here where everybody's happy? And bad professor says, I will not be happy and I will not stop complaining about it until you send those two printers back and I get to pick which ones you want and you have those in your machine shop. This grown man said, I will not let it go until you return the thing that you bought with your money for you, for you (laughs) and pick out what I want for you. (laughs) Can you believe that? That is just the most absurd thing that anybody. And this is like, like we said, this is a grown man who is in, a meeting with another grown man and his and boss his, and his grown boss. Like this is, and it's not even his stuff. That's what's so bad about it. It's not his money. It's not his space. It's not his equipment. He has no bearing over these machines at all. He just got no his reason feelings to be- hurt <laughs> because he wanted to be the one to pick them out because he felt like he was the most knowledgeable, but he wasn't. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. The whole situation. Okay. So here's the kicker. Obviously, all this points to the fact that he's just incredibly difficult to work with on purpose if he does not like you. I've got some – this is all related to the one guy. I think we could squeeze a part three out later on down the road uh, with some of my other horror stories that aren't related to to Bad Professor. Oh, easily. But here's the last last one, the culmination of, of Bad Professor. So bad professor is still in the management structure with me in the lab and he is on my thesis committee, which means he gets to say yes or no if my thesis is good and a yes or no on if your thesis is good directly translates to yes or no, you can or can't graduate. So needless to say, he was one of the voices that could thumbs up or thumbs down my ability to graduate with my master's. So all this has been going on. I've been keeping my eye glued on him like a hawk because I'm like, he's a loose cannon. He obviously doesn't like me. He's willing to do whatever it takes to to make life difficult. I need to keep an eye on him. But this is the straw that broke the camel's back. This is during COVID. COVID has just started. I'm working on my research, which involves working with a six-axis robot arm in the manufacturing engineering building. I'm working with machine shop guy, which as we now know, he didn't like him either. And another student. That's, that's our group of people who are working on this thing. The three of us are sitting in this area, but we're all socially distanced. We're all being, being very safe. And again, this is before most of the guidelines came down because we didn't really know what was going on with COVID. But we certainly knew that you weren't supposed to travel outside of your town. And the university had a strict no travel policy in the beginning of the pandemic, unless you had explicit permission from the department chair. The department chair could say, okay, yes, this is fair. You can travel. So bad professor, for some reason or another, goes to Nashville and then brags about it. And it's like, I went to Nashville. I hope I didn't catch the virus. 
and we're like, uh, you're not supposed to travel. You don't have permission to travel. You're not supposed to do it. And now there's a chance that you've got it and you're exposing us all to it. So this happens. <laughs> he comes, we're working on the robot. He comes in and pokes his head around into the robot area, just being nosy. And he literally says, oh, I didn't know who was back here. I just wanted to see who is here. So that's, for, for no reason, he comes back to poke his nose into what we're doing. He's not on, pro- he's not on the project. He just is curious. Then we find out he'd been to Nashville. And so machine shop guy finds out about that and is like, that's not cool. That's not policy. Uh, I'm going to have to, to tell somebody about this because he's broken the rules and now he's probably exposing us all to COVID, which at the time we didn't know much about. And, you know, we were trying not to get it. So the next morning (laughs) before machine shop guy can say anything, bad professor brags to the secretary of the department about how he went to Nashville and how he went and got some parts for uh, headbands for the face shields and how basically he's a hero. So he's there tooting his own horn. But instead of falling on the ground and worshiping him at his feet, which is what he wanted, the secretary's like, why'd you do that? We have a no travel rule. You did not get permission from our boss to travel to Nashville. So what were you thinking? And why are you telling me that you you traveled when you shouldn't have? So he doesn't get the praise he wants. And so he's getting scolded. And his thought as an adult man is to pivot. And he says, well, Hunter was in the lab last night working on his robot. And he was with two other students and they were all piled on top of one another. And if I didn't know any better, I would think they were all homosexual. Just going to let that fired s- immediately. <laughs> Literally anybody else would be fired immediately. Immediately. He's not, he's not fired. He's allowed to stay. <laughs> so I find out about this from machine shop guy. Cause machine shop guy was there and listened to it. And I immediately start making phone calls. I'm like, this is it. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. Because if you're going to, I wasn't even bothering you. You came back to look at, at my work. And then you're going to, you're going to, you're going to use a derogatory term. You're going to use that term in it. I should say that term in a derogatory manner, unprofessional, completely uncalled for. You're going to use that term in a derogatory manner at a student for no reason. I'm like, you're gone. There's no way you're going to have any bearing on my future and my success here at the university. So I get on the phone with, with the graduate studies office and I explain what happens. And they say, absolutely, for sure, that's uncalled for. He needs to be removed from your committee. Well, I said I wanted him removed. And they said, yes, he does. He needs to be removed stat. So we're going to get you the paperwork. If you have trouble getting the signatures from everybody else, you let us know and we'll step in. So then I let the dean of the College of Engineering know what's going on. I said, listen, this is what's happened. I'm having to remove him from my committee. And this is all with like two weeks to go before my defense like this is this is very close to the end of crunch time yeah it's crunch time so here i should be focusing on finishing up but now i have to focus on removing this bigot from 
from my committee because he can't keep his mouth shut. Um, so he, uh, I said to the, to the Dean of the college of, of engineering, I said, listen, you know, me and him, we have a working relationship here in this lab. You also know that we have an academic relationship because he's on my committee. This is what happened. This is why I'm removing him from my committee. And this is why I have concerns about our professional relationship. And I just think that you should hear it from me before anything gets misconstrued that this is why I'm making these decisions. And the dean of the college turned him into HR <laughs> for me. Uh, it but, should have happened immediately. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sh- HR v- minimum. Should, this this was absolutely 100% what should have happened. As far as I know, he received no disciplinary action. The only thing I received was a half-hearted email where he, air quotes, apologized. But his excuse was that he had been traveling to Nashville that day. Again, he shouldn't have been doing it. He'd been traveling that day and he was really tired. And he, he wasn't thinking about what he was saying. So he didn't really apologize as much as he just made an excuse. But, uh, the point is he would have never have done that on his own. So somebody said, you send an email or, or we're going to have a a more serious conversation. So he, he got smacked around a little bit. That's, that's, that's the moral of the story. But yeah, from that point on, he and I were done professionally. There was nothing he could say. There was nothing he could do. There was no retribution. You just don't reach that point unprovoked. I might add to to call a student that term in a derogatory manner just because you're angry. You, you've lost all respect from me. And so I kicked him off my committee and uh, I finished out school and I graduated. And uh, that, was, that was it. The last I've heard, he won't even mention me by name. And he tells everybody that I ruined the laboratory, uh, which is not true. <laughs> Uh, Not even close. So uh, he's up to his old tricks with everybody else. But the kicker is everybody can smell his BS from a mile away. The current graduate assistant and then that other graduate student who are working with him both know me and have my number and call me regularly to ask me questions. They're like, hey, this is what he's doing now. What do you think about this? So he's not fooling anyone, but he's he's definitely – a really, I would, I would call him a toxic personality. And I would say he's, he's, he's not conducive to a, a good academic environment. Absolutely not. Especially in a situation like that, where he has so much, uh, influence on over what happens to your you know professional career. Yeah. Right there. I mean, it's, that's horrible. And that's the kicker because at that point I was looking at getting a job at the university and the head of my committee said to me, he said, you need to be very careful about how you proceed because this guy could make or break your success here at the university. And I looked the, the that guy in, in, the, in the eyes and I said, you mean to tell me that I should just roll over and say this is okay because he might pitch a hissy fit? later on down the road, like that's not happening. We're not going to let him get away with this now because he might be able to make my life harder later. No, no, he's not getting away with it. And the thing that gets me with all that is, you know, 
you're someone who's going to stand up for yourself and everything you did 100% justified. Just start off with that. But how many people has that happened to something like that? And they've went to their head or of their uh, committee or they've went to their advisor or whatever, or even he was their advisor. And, uh, They've said these things and people were just like, yeah, you need to just be careful. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like when you, when you just openly do things like, like what was done to you, that's not something that you just, you've just started. Like you don't just jump right to that level. You know, you, right. you found what you can get away with and, and what to do to, to manipulate people. So yeah, that, that's just really what, what it made me think of is how many people had that happened to before you that just, that didn't have the support or the the gumption to go and to stand up for themselves there. Right. The kicker, the kicker for him, and this is what I tell everybody, I'm his worst nightmare because I hold him accountable for things and I stand up for myself. Everyone else that he's manipulated and, and done stuff like this to have rolled over and let him do it because he promises them that he's going to make them successful. But I knew that I could do it without him. And I knew that his promises were empty. And and that's, I think, the part that really made him angry is that he knew he couldn't control me and he couldn't get me to do whatever he wanted. And it had been different if he was like, hey, will you help me with this? That's a totally different conversation. Of course, I'll help you. But don't manipulate me and don't twist things around to where if it blows up, it blows up in my face. Not happening. Absolutely not happening. And you know, it's something else that's kind of funny is how, you know, you said things were all hunky dory, you know, before that he's just kind of quirky. And then, you know, there's a point where everything snapped. I had a, uh, I had a job interview, uh, different place. It was, uh, before I got where I'm at and one of the people on it was a, uh, was a former student of his, they were on that committee and, uh, they just spoke so highly of him and gave him so much praise. And, you know, in, in the interview, I didn't work with the man directly. I just, I was a fly on the wall for a lot of stuff and, and heard it from, you know, Hunter and some friends and whatnot. But uh, this guy spoke so highly of him. And I was just thinking, man, if you only knew. <laughs> if you only knew. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. But you know what the good thing about all this is? Funny it's stories. over. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is over. Funny story is a good good thing too, and you know, I this is the this is the less fun part of it all. But yeah, it's it's over, man. You yeah. don't have to deal with it anymore ever again. The only time I do have to deal with it is when I'm I'm guiding other lost souls. I feel like a Sherpa. I'm like guiding people to the top of this mountain. I've got like <laughs> I've got like my sheepskin hood on and my my big staff, and I'm walking them up to the top of this mountain. I'm like, go, my children, do You're not go Gandalf. in my footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> You're Gandalf right now, exactly. just guiding these guiding these hobbits to uh, throw the ring in. I can be Gandalf. I'll be okay with that. <laughs> Onward, you fools. <laughs> I mean, he basically is Sauron, so I guess. <laughs> That's a very, very good comparison right there. Uh, Lord of the Rings, if you've not watched it, but watch that movie and you'll and, and see see Sauron and that's that's a really good uh really good thing because that's what Sauron tried to do to 
tried to do to Gandalf, tried to manipulate him right there, and then he pinned him up on top of a tower. Yeah, so, so. that's the only time I have to deal with him now and uh is helping other people get around the obstacles and if i can use my hindsight and the things i've learned uh am i a little bitter about it yeah should i be probably not it's it's not good holding a grudge but it's it's a character flaw i hold things and i'm I'm working on it but uh but uh but i can definitely use it for good and help other people and the the feeling of helping other people through it because i didn't have anybody i just had to figure it all out but these people, they're so thankful and you can just tell they're like, oh my gosh, thank you. And so I, I'm glad that I get to do that for other people. And you know, the the thing about it is him, he does research. We we work in the place, but like in in industry, but man, as an engineer, first off, I feel like it's what we do, everything we everything that we do should be for good you know and i know that sounds the cliche superhero (laughs) thing but right every you know as an engineer our job and our goal should always be to just make make life better all the way around he he works at a university does research all that we we work in the industry and everything but especially if you're in an academic environment okay this isn't a place where you're just working with with peers you're literally supposed to be training up and and helping and all that for the the next generation, next group of engineers coming up. And man, I just feel like every based off everything you've said, just it's just all about him. And that's the that's the worst part about it is he's in a place where you know he's a very knowledgeable man. He's he's very. Very, I'll say his research is good. He goes to conferences, presentations, gets a lot of a lot of grant grants and stuff like that. So he could do so much to, I think, help upcoming engineers. But then stuff like this happens all yeah. the time. He's definitely he's definitely disconnected. He's he's gotten he's found his success through manipulation and politics at the university, and that's a whole nother whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Because oh, yeah. w- once you get involved and you work in the university, I got to see the ugly underbelly and it's not about, it's not what the billboards say, putting students first. It's about putting money first. And yep. the only thing that really spends at that place is cash and uh, the ability to, to manipulate your way around. So uh, he just he just figured out how to be successful, and it just so happens to be at the student's peril. So uh, that's that's how I tell people how to conduct themselves around him is with the knowledge that he is not looking out for you. He's looking out for himself, and uh, he'll manipulate to benefit himself. And he may say that he's there to help students, but he's not. So that's mm. that's that's how you get started in in dealing with with people like that is is knowing the true motive behind there. So that's how he found his success is, is manipulating and doing his research. And he's disconnected from, from current trends in industry. And, and he's just in his own little bubble of university politics. And I think, uh, I think academia is suffering and people's um, success is suffering because he's profiting off of the game of politics. And you know, it's, when you're there, I I get it. The university they want the they want the prestige, they want the top 
students to come there. They want the awards and everything, and and that's okay. But man, you're you're still an academic environment first, or you, you should be, in my opinion. That should be your your main goal. But yeah, man, it's like you said. It's just it's come down more to to the dollar than than it has for for the schooling and the training. And yeah, it's a shame, but man, that's just the way things are right now. Right. But as long as as long as people know what they're getting into, that's that's what I told people. I'm like, I'm going to tell you my story, but I'm not going to tell you not to not to do it and not to pursue a master's or not to go to the university. I'm not going to tell you that because it's it's you. I'm, I said, I'm going to tell you what my story is and what I experienced. And if you think you can handle it, then I encourage you to go for it. Yes. That's that's how I do it. Yeah. And, you know, if if that's what you do, and I think this goes for if you want to get a, a graduate degree and in, in any any field, you know, we're engineers, but if you want to get in any any field at all, uh, that's what you got to expect, man. You got to you got to be able to stand up for yourself there. And but you don't have to play the game, but you have to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to understand how things were done. So that way you can you can maneuver your way through that jungle and and reach the reach the end of it because I didn't have that same experience overall. Mine was mine, mine was a, a, a good experience, challenging with everything. But uh, man, that's still the way things are. There's there's so much more. There's always grants trying to get, funding trying to get, uh, awards trying to get, and uh, vying for the help because there's always other grad students and stuff. So it's part of it, man. You just got to understand that, and regardless of what you're doing. Heck yeah. Well, I'm a. Uh, I'm glad you were able to to finish your list off. I I think it's good to see the uh, other side of everything. You know. Most people, when they're going into grad school, and I highly doubt that everybody would have an experience like you. I, I oh, honestly yeah. do. I think I think most people, when you're going into into graduate schooling of any kind, uh, it's challenging, tough. There's the game you got to play, but I'd say most people have a good experience there. But it's good to kind of get an inside inside take on on everything from someone who just went through it you know we're we're not these old guys yet that went through it two decades ago and things are so different now we we literally just finished yeah <laughs> less than a year ago we uh we finished but yeah dude you're coming right up on a year since you've uh yeah. you've graduated getting close yeah man it's uh it's crazy how fast uh how fast huh. time is seeming to fly off i was thinking about that the other day and <laughs> One of the guys came into my office, and of course, I have my I have my diplomas and a couple certificates hanging up on the wall. Um, he's like, "Man, you're starting to look like a uh, starting to look like a shop in here with all this stuff." I was <laughs> like, "Dude, I went through so much school and put so much time, money, effort into it. You right. best believe everybody that walks through that door is going to get a look at at that piece of paper yeah. that I have hanging up on that wall behind that Walmart frame." <laughs> I've got I've got mine uh, here, but I, I, I don't know if I could hang them up at work because uh, maybe I could, I don't know. Nobody else has it up and we work in cubicles. So it's kind of different than having an office. Yeah. But man, I'm, I'll say, I'm glad you made it through it. I'm glad you, uh, you survived and some good advice that I, uh, I heard from a professor when I was a senior, I believe he said school is designed to be 
the hardest part of, of your career for most engineers. Obviously, if you stay in research, uh, it's going to be a little different. But uh, you said schooling is designed to be the hardest part. So if you can make it through that, you're golden. So Heck you yeah. made it through and the the grass is 100% greener <laughs> from from the, the dead sand that you came out of. Right. <laughs> now everybody is like, oh, no wonder he said he's thankful every day he didn't get a job at the university. Yes, I'm very, very thankful. And, you know, that's the good thing about it. If you ever do want to go back to a university or a community college, you can, dude. You got the degree. You can go Absolutely. wherever you want. The world is your oyster, as the kids say. <laughs> so. Well, man, you uh, you finished up everything. You have anything else you want to you want to mention or talk about in that's there? That's it for that guy. the The other stuff that that I've got uh is is stories for another time. There, there, there's still a couple little horror stories, but for the most part, uh, they're a little bit more lighter fare, and so I think that could be a good back and forth one that we could have. Sure. Rather than me just ranting. Sounds good, <laughs> man. Well, we uh. Me and Hunter still discussing it, but uh, I had an idea for a series that uh, you might see some stuff coming up on, and might have some more uh, some more guests coming on here in the future. And um, coming up next week, unless something happens and changes, we're going to get to hear from the most unlucky person that I personally know. And uh, you're going to hear from her live in the flesh. Well, live for us, but she'll be on the podcast. So Kylie will be on next week and uh, get to hear a little bit from her. And like I said, be be looking out. We're we're still still working through some other stuff. we got some big big stuff planned. And uh, you know the drill. We're on, uh, we're on Spotify. So if you're listening somewhere else and that'd be a little easier for you, go listen on there. Just sheer and utter nonsense with an ampersand. Uh, we're on YouTube still, putting the uh, the videos out and on there. So if you want to pull that up, we have uh, the Twitter page. Go and follow that. Post the post the videos on there and try to do a little interaction throughout the week. And eventually, we'll have a uh, we'll have an Instagram page made up, so you'll be able to see some snippets coming up for the for the next week. But if you're on you're on Spotify. Go ahead and follow us if you if you like the stuff. It's pretty neat, Hunter. We're looking at the uh, at the analytics. We've got people from literally Washington D.C. all the way to Washington State, yeah. listening to our stuff, and tons of places in between. And it's uh it's neat to get to hear people from literally all over the country and get to see them listening to just this little uh this literal bunch of nonsense that that we put out on. Onto the interweb, as my dad says. So the interwebs. Yeah, interwebs. It's neat to see, man. I'm I'm glad people are liking it. Uh, follow us, like everything. You know the drill on YouTube. Uh, like it, hit the bell, subscribe to us. It helps us uh, get seen, and uh, you know if you like it enough, share it so we can we can reach a broader audience. We're not doing this for the numbers. It's always good whenever you get to see people actually liking your stuff and watching it and listening to it, but. Uh, like we say every time, we're just here to make you laugh. So I think that'll about wrap us up here, my friend. It's Heck been good yeah. talking to you. It's been good talking to you. Well, hopefully I don't uh, I don't croak out and enter into Heaven's Gates this weekend, but uh, 
we'll we'll see what happens and update that next week. But <laughs> I guess that's all we got here. So I'll uh I'll talk to you real soon, my friend. All right, man. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye bye. Goodbye.